Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast with me, Gary McGowan, and my co-host, as always, Mr. Patrick Farrell. Patty, how are you this week? Positively splendid. Although we're a little bit late recording this uh, episode because that's my fault. You've been traveling. You're away. Internet has been dodgy. You know. Yeah, but we're making it work. So uh, we're going to continue the series, guys. All right, we're we're kind of coming towards the end, but we've still got a couple of more things that we'd like to cover in the How to Train series, and. What we're moving on to today is endurance training, but specifically triathlon and mixed endurance events, because it is a little bit different than just training for a single endurance event. You know, if you're just a runner and you're training for a marathon, it's not so bad. You have to do your running, but you don't also have to balance the skills of swimming and cycling and putting all that together and packaging it with appropriate recovery, nutrition, etc. So there are some unique concerns. And in this episode of the podcast, we're going to cover those in detail. Yeah, and just on that, I would probably say it makes sense to go back and listen to the episode we did on endurance stuff or running more specifically, nice. um, just because it lays a lot of the the groundwork for this so that we're going to you know just briefly touch on some things. And if you want more information, again, go back to that episode. Or we've done so many episodes on just fitness and cardiorespiratory fitness and whatever in the past so there's a lot of content for you guys to uh, catch up on if there's any terms or anything that you're unsure of absolutely so first and foremost i think it's important to understand that like who we're speaking to and what sort of events we're talking um about so firstly the, the people that we're speaking to in this podcast are primarily those who are maybe making that transition into trying to train for a triathlon you're thinking about doing a triathlon maybe you've done one and you want to do another this isn't going to be the podcast for for seasoned ironman athletes who are trying to tease out you know the, the real specifics of advanced training uh, most of our audience tend to be personal trainers and gym goers who maybe do a bit of endurance training or some cardio and they're trying to you know learn a bit more about that so that's primarily who we're speaking to here and just, just, when just we talk about interrupt you yeah. there um, like this is one of those things because obviously we both have a lot of clients that have different goals and maybe we're talking about one of them one of those goals I should say on the podcast like I've had a few clients go oh but you said this on the podcast you said you know you should be looking at this or this xyz like why aren't we doing that and it's important to understand that you don't need to be doing absolutely everything you know just because I'm saying oh we're doing like, I don't know say field sports or for example like a lot of field sport athletes and they're like oh well you said this in the podcast and you know why aren't we doing that and the reality is oftentimes people have to work at a much different level than where they think they are. Like people, for example, might have to build up way more of an aerobic base. Like you could be coming into triathlete training and you just don't have the requisite aerobic base and you can get caught up in, oh, I need to work on my swim technique. I need to work on my cycling, my, my cadence, my running, everything. And in reality, you just need to build up a way better or way bigger aerobic engine, you know, and yeah, obviously focusing on all the minutiae, all the nuances is important and it becomes more important the more advanced you get, but you still have to keep the goal the goal. And very often people have mixed goals as well on top of that, where they're like, oh, I want to train for this sport, but I also want to improve body composition while I also want to you know, be able to live my life. And that doesn't fit neatly into a podcast. That doesn't fit neatly into, oh, here we go. We have this one clearly defined goal of I want to train to be a triathlete, like that that's not the only goal you have. Absolutely. And that's why it's so important that we introduce who we're speaking to at the beginning of these episodes. And as we then begin to talk about something like triathlon, 
Of course, there are other endurance events that may have similar principles here. You know, it might be a, du a duathlon or some other form of con combined endurance event, like an endurance race or something like that. But even within triathlon, we have different events. So we've got a sprint, we've got an Olympic, we've got a half Ironman and a full Ironman. So these are all different distances. So for example, if you're doing a sprint triathlon, you're looking at a 750 meter swim, 20K bike and 5K run. Whereas if you're looking at doing an Ironman, you're looking at a 3.8K swim, 180K bike, and then a marathon to finish. So clearly very different uh, levels of training, le different levels of time commitment. But overall, the principles do tend to carry over in terms of training for these different events. It's just time, advancement, experience that tend to then differ. So what we'll do in this podcast as I discuss it is we'll focus on kind of the Olympic triathlon distance because it's probably the most common one, um, which is a 1.5K swim, 40K bike, and 10K run. And then you can kind of extract the principles from that and apply it to either you know the longer stuff like the Ironman or the shorter stuff like the sprint triathlon. Okay. So firstly, the, the disciplines we're talking about, obviously, are swimming, cycling, and running. Okay. So when I begin to talk about... Um, training planning with someone that's uh, thinking about doing a triathlon i want to know what have you done before you know are you a seasoned runner are you a seasoned cyclist did you grow up near the sea and you're a super strong swimmer these things are super important because when you're entering into a, an event like this where you have mixed uh training requirements in terms of skill and in terms of physiology um and, and equipment as well it's much easier to plan training if you can just say I've got running taken care of. I'll finish the run on the day. I'll do a little bit of training, but it just needs to be maintenance. Okay. That's a great position to be in. If you're someone that's never done any running, never done any swimming, never done any cycling, really difficult to plan training uh, like that. Well, not difficult to plan it, but more difficult to execute it, I think, and to make it a, a solid goal that you can nail. So if I had someone like that, that was going from zero to triathlon, what I'd probably have them do is Maybe could we do a couple of like local 5K runs? Is there a swim nearby? Just to get a little bit of experience in there first, rather than going straight to the mixed endurance event, okay? So the first thing to ask yourself then is that needs analysis question. What do I really need to focus on, okay? It's quite common for people to have done maybe some running in their life. If they've played a field sport, if you were an active kid, you know how to run. Okay, most people know how to run in terms of just being able to run on your two feet. Most people know how to cycle a bike, but it's actually not uncommon for people to be quite poor swimmers, especially if you didn't grow up near the sea um, or you didn't have a pool in your area. You may not have done much swimming at all. Maybe you went into a pool on holidays, but you might not have ever done more than a couple of laps of a pool. So that's something that I think tends to be a weak point for a lot more frequently and is something I end up working on with a lot of clients that think about doing the triathlon and what I would end up doing here is asking asking myself you know do I need to just plan this person's training in terms of physiology for example boosting uh, swimming uh, endurance and aerobic fitness or does this person need to see, see a swim coach for example in real life to get some technical skills first before we build on that so basic question that we start off with all clients with all goals is needs analysis so we'll come back to some of those training um, specifics in a few minutes before we get there i think it's important to touch a, just a little bit on the physiology to round up some of the things that we would have discussed in the previous endurance episodes anything to add before we go there 
just on that with that needs analysis like again like we said with all sports like the more you know the more refined you can be with this like if you have a specific event picked out like we can still be way more refined with our needs analysis like you can be like oh the swim is in open water it's a lake you know or oh it's actually in the sea oh it's actually you know it's a local event and they only have a pool they only have access to a pool so it's going to be you know doing laps like all of those things have different technical requirements like if you're swimming in the sea and you've never you're like in a landlocked country you've never even seen the sea like that's obviously going to be a way different experience than someone who's like yeah again like just grew up by the sea and this is no factor like i literally go for a swim to 50 kilometers i don't know fucking whatever you know regularly you know it's it's literally nothing you know um so the more you know about the specific events and about you specifically as in like you're like oh well i've actually i already know that i've been able to do a marathon and these are my kind of times and you know actually i used to go for really long cycles i don't do it as much anymore but i was at one stage technically proficient like the more information you can bring to that needs analysis the better the actual training program can be you know Absolutely. So that brings us on then to the basic physiology of triathlon performance. And the fir- so the first thing is that these are obviously aerobically demanding endurance events. Okay. Anytime you're doing activity for multiple hours and you're doing it as a continuous activity, whether it's swimming, whether it's cycling, whether it's running, you need a big aerobic engine. You need to have a high VO2 max, maximal oxygen consumption, um, and basically, you just need to be really fit. And in this case, you need to be able to carry that over across multiple different disciplines, which is actually maybe a little bit more difficult than some people appreciate. Um, it's actually one of the issues that goes into something like a VO2 max assessment, for example. If you take a cyclist and you assess their VO2 max using a running test, they'll have a falsely reduced um, VO2 max reading versus if you assess them on cycling and vice versa for a runner um, doing a cycling test because there are other variables that get introduced other than just the efficiency of your cardiorespiratory system because you've got things like uh, running economy how efficient you are um, mechanical factors for example on the bike you know how how aerodynamic are you and your posture what about the bike what's how's the bike set up all these things can end up impacting the interaction between your physiology and the environment but fundamentally of course you need to have a high level of of aerobic fitness now you build that through the process of training which we will discuss but if you're coming into this with a high level of aerobic fitness it's going to be easier to translate that over to this sport and even if it doesn't feel so easy initially so a common experience that we would have with people who start to do uh, single or mixed endurance events is that for example, maybe they're a jiu-jitsu athlete or they're a field sports athlete, and they've got a high level of fitness already. Early on, as they start the new activity, they'll be like, oh my God, I thought I was way fitter than this. I feel so unfit. But as they improve their economy, their mechanics, and they get used to it over a couple of weeks, they have dramatic improvements in, a, in the short term because they already had the aerobic engine there. They just had to be able to translate it over to a different discipline. Another super common one that works the opposite way around would be if you have a triathlete, unbelievable level of fitness, you put them into jujitsu, their first class, they're like, I feel like I've never trained. I am so unfit. How are all these guys outlasting me? They don't look that fit. But again, it's a, it's a mechanical and economical issue um, that improves again over those first few weeks. So we've got things like your mechanics and your running economy, cycling economy, swimming efficiency, et cetera, 
But we've also got things like energy management, you know, um, easy example would be swimming. If you're, if you're, if you've never done any swimming, then practicing even breathing when you're in the water, getting in an appropriate rhythm is really difficult. So if you're, for example, doing a prolonged breath hold longer than you should as you swim, then you've got a, a state where you've got a high level of aerobic requirements and you're potentially have this like low level hypoxic stimulus because you're not breathing in enough um, or getting rid of, of carbon dioxide. So now you're in a situation where you're, you're, it's almost like you're wearing a, one of those altitude training masks because you're just not breathing enough. Okay. So it's, it's this principle of energy management and this carries over to all of those respective disciplines. So I think just on summary there, swimming is actually a really easy one to see someone have way better or worse, like efficiency of movement, because you see these like, you know, stud athletes, swimmers, and they just glide through the water. There's no wasted movement. There's no splashing. Whereas you see someone who, you know, is only starting out, maybe they consider themselves to be moderately good at swimming, whatever, like there's splashing going on everywhere. <laughs> you're slapping the water when they're supposed to be like, you know, pulling themselves through. Like you see so much wasted energy. So that's one of the things that you only just like, you actually have to work on your technique to get better at it. It's not just going to, but to some extent it will just improve by sheer you know, consistency, like just consistently doing the movements, you know, you will get better at them. But for a lot of people, especially as you go from the more like intermediate to advanced, like you're going to need to be working on your technique way, way more than the person that's just learning how to do it. Like you can get, you know, relatively fluent in a language, you know, you can get up to like 90%, you know, decent enough. You can have conversations, but to be an absolute, like, Oh, I'm completely fluent. I know exactly how to speak in every single situation. That's a lot more work. And um, so again, that just goes back to our needs analysis. Like, what are we trying to do? Are we just trying to complete an Ironman? You know, it's probably okay to be somewhat in- inefficient. You know, yeah, you're not going to hit your best times, but that wasn't the goal. Whereas if you're like, no, 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 I'm, I want to be like up there. I want to be hitting numbers, the times that, you know, people are like, fuck, he's, he's, he's good. You know, then you're going to need to work on these things way, way more. Hundred percent. So, with that said, like it is an obvious point. Of course, you need a high VO two max. Of course, you need a high level of aerobic fitness. That then, excuse me, translates over into how you plan your training as well. Because the the fitter you are, obviously, the the faster you're going going to be able to to run for a longer period of time, or the faster you're going to be able to swim for a longer period of time. But what you end up doing, what you end up doing here is using your uh you're looking at your maximal ability so for example let's say you've done a marathon before and you've done it in four hours okay if you're doing it after a swim in a cycle your physiology at baseline is going to be in a very different state okay you're going to be pre-fatigued you're going to be running at a a a deficit in terms of for example muscle glycogen that's going to be depleted you might be having a you're you're just super fatigued your muscles are fatigued you're breathing heavy your heart rate's up etc okay so now you're in a very different position and you need to be able to to plan for that so you can't be thinking about your potential triathlon time in line with a fresh uh marathon that you've done okay um not that you'd ever be super fresh in a marathon but um this also are this also kind of relates to the point of submaximal training and using things like heart rate zones in your training planning. Okay, so what you would want to do when you're thinking about triathlon um, training is not to just think, 
what can I do? And then maximizing that with every single session. Okay. What you'd want is that a lot of your sessions would be focused on the kind of zone two to maybe dipping into to zone three. So you're talking about 60 to 70% of your max heart rate and maybe up to 75% of your max heart rate for the bulk of your longer training. What this means then is that as you move into program design and you understand roughly what that heart rate looks like, now you're in a position where you can manage your fatigue better, you're able to recover better across the week, and each respective discipline isn't taking as much out of you. This then allows you to calibrate the paces that you should be aiming for. So for example, you might uh, find that because of your running background, you're actually really well able to manage your heart rate and to stay in that kind of zone two to zone three range. But as you go towards uh, swimming or cycling, your heart rate is spiking up into zone four, zone five, and thus you're getting a disproportionate fatigue cost. So even if it seems like this is a really slow cycling time, or this is a really slow swimming time for a guy that's as fit as me as a runner, you need to be able to recalibrate in accordance with your ability in those disciplines. So you might actually have to slow down considerably more initially so that you can stay in that zone two, zone two to zone three um, of your heart rate zones and then build that up over time. Okay, so these are some of the specific considerations that begin to, to factor in here with training program design. And another just final just physiological variable that's important, I won't touch it in too much detail, is lactate threshold, anaerobic threshold, ventilatory threshold. There are some slight differences here in terms of definitions, but lactate threshold is really what we're talking about. And this is the level of work or output at which your lactate level will no longer be uh, at steady state and it will begin to increase, okay? So your ability to clear lactate um, is poorer than the rate at which you are producing it. And this is just a reflection of the fact that you're dipping more into anaerobic energy systems. So this would be, for example, when you're dipping into zone three, zone four, zone five, the, the level of lactate production um, is going to surpass the level of clearance and thus it's a reflection of anaerobic. Uh, output. So if you're um if you have a rough idea of where that might be in each respective discipline, you can plan training around that too. And that comes back to heart rate zones. You don't need to measure things like lactate. You can make some rough inferences. So for example, is there a point at which your heart rate suddenly begins to to spike that pace that just seems to be that pivot point where I'm no longer able to maintain steady state, heart rate seems to keep climbing here you can infer that it's probably somewhere around there. So there can be some training sessions where you're working at that lactate threshold. And then the longer sessions, which are more aerobically based, you'd be working generally below that. Okay. So that's most of the relevant physiology for now. There's so much more and biomechanics and everything. But I think that's a, a useful framework to begin to think about this. Yeah. The only thing I wanted to add there was that because you are, again, it's mixed endurance, like the heart rate zones that are your zone two, three, four for cycling are probably going to be slightly different than they are for running versus swimming. And that's purely because there's different muscles you can use, different like, you know, availability, access to stored glycogen, et cetera. So like you can't be too dogmatic. You do have to use some degree of what we often just call it auto-regulation, like listening to your body basically, where you're like, okay, I know I should be in zone two here this is what i my my heart rate it should be at this level for zone two but this feels disproportionately fatiguing like say for example like for me to work in zone two on a, a bike i know you really like the bike for zone two work and i just find my legs just burn there's just so much like build up of this like acidosis whereas running or going on something like a cross trainer like i could do that 
way longer, way less fatiguing for me. Now there's a degree of, you know, just my biomechanics, the way long legs, you know, different levers, etc. Like it just means that my quads, for example, just have to work harder, whatever. Right. But once you start learning that stuff about yourself, then you can kind of go, okay, so I can adjust the ranges. Yeah, I'm supposed to be in zone two, and that's supposed to fall into this nice, nice, neat little heart rate zone here, but that's just not the case for me, you know? So I have to adjust that based on what my body is telling me, based on the signals, which means you have to learn how to listen to your body. Absolutely. So that then brings us into some of the more specific points about program design. And at the end of the, the podcast, I will give you like a sample training week of what it might look like to just contextualize this a bit better. Um, so firstly, when it comes to program design, it comes back to what we said at the start with respect to needs analysis. You need to assess your individual athlete needs and then begin to set goals based on that. So what I recommend um, for triathlon specifically is to start off with an, with an idea of maybe what times you should be looking at that are somewhat decent for someone like you, right? So tabulate your current swim cycle and run ability versus that of triathletes at your level. So for example, if you're a beginner, um, but you have a fitness background, you know, look up the times that people like that seem to finish in, look at their run times, look at their swim times, look at their cycle times, and then begin to get an idea of maybe what's average um, as, as, as a starting point. From there, then you ask yourself, okay, like, this seems to be the average, but I've got a super strong running background. So maybe your run will be a bit faster and that might improve your overall time, or it might just be compensating for the fact that you're a poor swimmer and thus your time stays around the same. Okay. So that cross tabulation process or cross referencing process, uh, super important starting point in my view, because it gives you some idea of what you should be aiming for. When you enter into a mixed sport like this, it can be very difficult to see what you should be aiming for because You've never done a run when you've been in that fatigued position before. You've never come out of a swim and now had to hop on a bike. So you just don't know how you'll perform until you get some experience with it. Okay. So that's the first thing. Have some idea of what you're aiming for. Doesn't have to be too specific, but that then helps with program design, especially when it comes to setting pacing targets. So for example, when I'm planning running for someone, I'm very rarely saying go out and run for an hour. Okay. I'm I'm giving them a, a rough idea of for example, I want you to do a 90 minute run. I want based on pre based on previous runs, I want your run to be between, let's say, 0, uh, 0,530 per kilometer and 0, 0,545 per kilometer. And then I'll add some notes. For example, if heart rate is elevating more than normal or you feel really fatigued, you can slow down further. If you're feeling great on the day, you can speed up a little bit. Okay. So you have a rough idea of what you're doing when you go into your runs. This is the level of planning that you need. You can't just be saying, going to go for a run today, going to go for a cycle today and just see what happens like that. That'll work, but it's just not optimal training practices. Okay. Just, so, just on that, like different coaches are going to have different approaches to this. Someone's going to say, you know, some sure. coach, I want you to be in these heart rate zones. This is the rough you know, time I want you to spend in that. Some people are going to go, Oh, well, these are the kind of paces that you've done previously. So we would expect you to be, you know, getting this adaptation if we're at these paces. So don't think about necessarily the specifics of what Gary is saying there in terms of he's giving this recommendation. Think of the more meta topic of it's not just, oh, I'll just, I'll just go out for a run. I've, I've an hour. I'll just go for a run here now. That, that's cool. You know, that'll, that'll, that'll tick the box there, you know, like, yeah, you'll, you'll probably get fitter, but it's not going to be specific to the adaptations that you need, you know? So you have to Think about it a little bit more. And again, you can use the physiology. You can use that. You can go, okay, well, you know, what, what's the physiology of 
triathlons what do i need to you know improve you can use your own physiology in terms of okay well you know i know i already have a huge aerobic base so i don't necessarily need to build more of that however i know i'm a shit swimmer and i've actually never you know sat on a bike so for you you know you're going to need to spend way more time on like skill acquisition so again don't necessarily just think because i know again i have loads of clients that they go oh well, actually you said this on the podcast we're not doing that specific thing think of the more meta topic think of what gary's saying here you're identifying your weaknesses, you're identifying or uh, assessing how you're going to train them. And then you're coming up with a specific plan of action. Absolutely. And that is a key point because what often happens is like, I actually had a case of this this week, right? I've got a client who's going on to do her first marathon, but early on in her running programming, it would have been more vague. So for example, I would have said things like, okay, you've got a 45 minute run today. I want you to keep your heart rate in, let's say, zone two i don't want it to go higher than 150 beats per minute during this run and then what i do is i'm able to see what pace did she come in at what pace did she maintain when did it drop off you know all these sorts of things but now as as we've worked together for so many months i have a rough idea of when she does a, a 10k this is her pace when she does a half marathon this is her pace so now as we go into marathon planning <clears throat> i'm able to say here's a, a pacing range for this run that i'd like you to maintain but with those caveats, if it's a bad day, slow down. If it's a good day, you can speed up a bit. Okay. So initially, more vague is totally appropriate. So, you know, if you're thinking, oh, my coach doesn't give me pacing guidelines, that's perfectly reasonable in many cases because it actually takes time to get an idea of um, what pace you should be aiming for. Okay. So that's kind of similar to weight training, really. You know, we wouldn't just say when a client signs up, lift this weight you know just aim for this weight this week we have no idea wh where you are but over time there will be cases where i'll recommend all right i want you to see i want you to hit 100 kilos on the bench next week i think it's there in the tank based on what i've seen from you in the past okay so that's important from a coaching perspective especially just on that now, as well it's a little bit easier to see with like marathon training as well obviously to do with endurance where like you might just go oh well we've actually never ran the distance the marathon distance. So I don't care about your pacing. I don't care about anything. I need to build your confidence to a place yeah. where you're, I can actually do that distance. So we might not even touch on any like specific pacing strategies, anything like that. All we're doing is building up confidence and, oh, you hit this kilometers. Okay, now next week, I want you to try this and then this and then this. And it's a slowly building up to that point. And then we've got that and we go, okay, well, you did the marathon distance. You know, this was your time. These are your kind of paces. Oh, we see that you kind of dropped off halfway through. Let's start improving your pacing strategy, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so again, it doesn't all have to come at once. Check. Absolutely. So with that said, the biggest issue with program design when it comes to triathlon is balancing volume intensity and recovery. Okay, It's a time intensive process. It can be very overwhelming for people when they think about trying to plan their training because they're thinking, God, it's difficult enough for me to get my runs in. How am I going to get cycles in? How am I going to get swims in? Even from a logistical perspective, especially in Ireland, you know, it's like, it's often raining. Um, you know, it's it's not always very easy to uh, access the sea for your swims. For example, I have one client who's training for a long swim at the moment. Um, he actually works in marine biology himself, so he's super he's super clued in on this stuff. But you know, a, a couple of weeks so far during the process, just yesterday, he was like, "Oh, there was a blue algae bloom in the uh, the beach that I normally go to swim in, so I wasn't able to get that swim in. I went to a local pool. I had to modify. There's just these additional logistical challenges that can make it a bit more challenging, um, and that's something you should think about before going on to 
to start training triathlons do you have these the practical considerations taken care of do you have a pool that you can access uh, do you have a, a local beach that you can access and so on okay so balancing the volume intensity and recovery difficult because of the number of hours that you're going to have to train obviously there are just having proper programming in place helps to ameliorate that having a proper needs analysis helps with that as well because it means that you can at least put one discipline a little bit on the back foot if your running's taken care of you don't need to spend as many hours on that you know i i often say this to people when they ask for even tips for exams, let's say in college, you know, if they've, if you've got five subjects to study for two of them are strengths already, well, don't spend all your time on those subjects. You know, you're going to get through. It's, it's very similar here when it comes to creating program design. So the other thing here on top of training programming, of course, is nutrition, hydration, appropriate sleep, stress management, all the core fundamentals of recovery that we talk about all the time. You want to have this stuff in place if you're going to start doing triathlons, okay? You're going to need more sleep than you normally would. If you're training 10 to 20 hours per week and these are demanding sessions and they're progressing over time, I'm no longer thinking, oh, six to seven hours per night is fine for the average person. Like, they'll, they'll be fine. You can get by on that. But this isn't going to be optimal for a, a triathlete. You need more sleep in this case. You're going to need to be fueling your body with plenty of carbohydrates. You're going to need to have hydration strategies. That's all for another day because this is about training, but know that that's really important in terms of facilitating the balance here between volume, intensity, and recovery. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say on the nutrition or hydration side of things. And Perfect. again, this this stuff, program design for all of this, it's just difficult. You know, there's there's no two ways around it. You're trying to do something that is outside the realms of, you know, quote unquote, normal human endeavors. You're like, uh, an extreme <laughs> endurance athlete even though you might not think it even though you might go oh actually i know two people that did ironmans you know they're they're not that fit realistically they are <laughs> yeah they are they absolutely are so then then moving on into other kind of training principles would be um specificity and how much cross training or variability you introduce into your plan so Clearly, specificity is, is going to be important for each of the respective disciplines. You need to be running, you need to be swimming, you need to be cycling. Pretty obvious. Generally, you're going to need a large aerobic engine. So this is the difference between the general and specific. We talk about this with respect to weight training all the time. We have these terms in weight training called GPP and SPP. So general physical preparedness and specific phys physical preparedness. A lot of what we do with weight training for a lot of our clients who aren't bodybuilders, aren't powerlifters, et cetera, is GPP, it's general physical preparedness. We want you to have a wide range of physical abilities when it comes to strength, strength, strength endurance, um, hypertrophy, muscle mass and the qualities associated with that, your cardio, et cetera, okay? So you, you wanna have that in place for something like triathlon where you've got a general range of your, your aerobic engine is good, um, you, get, you, you have your strength conditioning taken care of, which we'll touch on in a moment, uh, but then you have to be able to translate that over to the specific for each of those disciplines, okay? So the difficult thing is that because triathlon is already a variable activity because of the, tr the three disciplines and the different types of sessions you might do for those disciplines, it's gonna be more difficult to fit in additional cross-training. However, it can still play a role. And this is particularly important for, let's say, recovery sessions or in the presence of injury. So for example, if you have a hard week where you've really focused a lot on running, 
maybe you do um, a light bike or cross trainer session for your aerobic training um, at the weekend as a recovery session, or maybe you do your intervals on the assault bike where there's no eccentric loading and you're just trying to have a lower impact hard cardio session. So there's still a role here for cross training in the form of cardio. It's just probably less likely to be a prominent role because of the nature of having to train for the three disciplines already. Okay. So that is a little bit different to some other endurance sports where if you were just doing running, you know, I might have you do bike sessions or swim sessions on top of that as you're cross training, but because you're already doing the three disciplines, it's sort of baked into the cake. Okay. Now that does translate over then to discussing strength conditioning training, which is obviously something that is important to us here at triage. So I do feel that it, having resistance training for a triathlete is a core component of your long-term training planning, particularly because of the, that real tough demands on the body. You know, you're, you're training or you're using pretty much every muscle and joint in the body uh, during a triathlon at different stages, of course. And I think for longevity, for joint health, injury prevention, et cetera, resistance training is really going to help you here. It's also going to help from a performance perspective in terms of having greater power output from your legs, you know, being of benefit to your cycling, for example, let's say you're trying to climb a big hill. If you've got strong legs, that's going to be a, a supportive training quality. Okay. So the, the difficult thing is, again, when it comes to doing resistance training, you only have so much time. Okay. So what I would see as being practical for, most of a triathlete's year is probably something like two resistance training sessions per week of 30 to 40, 45 minutes, maybe uh, duration. You might, you can probably get in more than that at certain points of the year. For example, if someone says, I've got a triathlon in September, it's February now, I'm not competing until, until then, we might say, right, perfect. Let's do February to May, where we focus a bit more on strength. Maybe we do, we do three sessions per week. Um, and maybe we've done cross training a little bit more and then we specify as it comes towards uh, that event so that's just basic uh, periodization so programming is generally how we think about the plan of action over the short term periodization is how that changes over time and that's going to be important here when it comes to a triathlon event so specifically for strength training i think having more further away from the event is going to lay down uh, those qualities that will then be easier maintained during the season when you are competing and you can back off to maintenance or slightly below maintenance levels of strength training with maybe one to two sessions per week. And it also comes back to your needs analysis where you might just have a deficit of muscle, deficit of strength, you know, more injury prone. So you need to work on that stuff more. Whereas someone who's coming to this and they're always like, they're already like, oh, yeah, I've actually squatted 200 kilos in the past, you know, in, in uh, last year I did it. You know, I might not be at that exact level right now, but I'm still fairly strong, et cetera, et cetera. Like, obviously, that's a much different kettle of fish than someone that's like, yeah, I've never done any resistance training whatsoever, you know? So you do need to just keep that stuff in mind. Again, refer back to your needs analysis, identify where you're weak, bring those things up. And again, just on the strength training side of things, again, periodization is probably one of those things that gets you know bastardized, bastardized a lot in the general fitness industry. But if you're doing a sport it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to really periodize your training, to be focusing on the right things at the right time. Like for the majority of the year, you might be doing two resistance training sessions, you know, 30, 45 minutes. They don't have to be, you know, hugely intensive and you're still able to get your, you know, aerobic and anaerobic conditioning in, you know, but then as it comes up to actual go time, you know, we'll quote unquote in season, 
you might just drop that back to one. And yeah, that might be below the general recommendations of, oh, you want to get two, at least two resistance training sessions per week, but that's okay because you're somewhat offsetting this by the rest of your year, you're training hard, you're pushing hard with your resistance training and you're still working on your cardiovascular fitness. You're still getting some strength adaptations by, you know, working on your power output from cycling and, you know, et cetera. So there is a huge amount of carryover and you just have to focus on the right things at the right time. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, we'll, we won't believe the point of like specific strength conditioning, um, because it's just beyond the scope a little bit, but I will get back to a sample training week where that will give you an idea of, of what the whole week might look like for you know an, an average training week in the year. But before we get there, I think there's a really important point in terms of injury prevention and recovery, because this is going to be a barrier and there are some common overuse or load related injuries that can you can pick up in triathlon or in each respective discipline so some of those might include for example uh, if you're swimming uh, rotator cuff and shoulder related issues could be an issue and um, that would then translate back to your resistance training for example uh, you might do more shoulder work you might have shoulder rehab in your plan so on from a cycling perspective then you can get things such as cyclist palsy which are kind of nerve-related injuries to the medial and ulnar nerve, just from having your hands in the handlebars, the pressure, the vibration, et cetera, that can sometimes present uh, issues for people, can be you know addressed to some degree by maybe uh, changing the handlebars that you hold onto, that's you know, different for different bikes and so on, but uh, that's something to keep in mind. Lower back pain can sometimes be an issue for cyclists as well. Being hunched over in that position, um, sometimes can lead to you know fatigue of the lower back muscles and again having more strength there would likely be a benefit patellofemoral pain and knee pain from cycling again is something that can be an issue and this can be difficult as well because of the demand on the knees from both cycling and running so it can be a bit of a crossover there that makes it difficult to balance that load um running itself comes with additional things so on top of the knee pain you can also get things like um plantar uh, fasciitis or fasciopathy where you have problems with your feet and metatarsalgia is another one where you get pain at the base of uh, your metatarsal just from the repeated load so again there are some practical considerations like changing your shoes having comfortable shoes and um, but also you know you, your strength training and your load management over time so load management is going to be probably the most important thing which is why it was the first thing i touched on in, in terms of program design because if you're going from zero to like 10 20 hours of triathlon training per week that's a massive spike in load and it is a risk factor for injury with that said even if you are someone that is more seasoned in training for triathlons if you're constantly week on week on week adding more load adding more load adding more load that is also going to put you at risk of injury so as a even as a, even as a more seasoned athlete i would have periods of maybe let's say four to eight weeks where there is some progression, you know, things are moving up a bit and then you might have a week or maybe even in some cases, a four week period where you reduce volume considerably and allow your body to catch up and recover a bit more before beginning to nudge up again. Okay. So progressive overload in weight training and in endurance training cannot occur uh, indefinitely. It needs to be a case of being able to you know, pull back every now and then and then nudge up again. It's probably the most important thing for injury prevention. You can do all the rehab, prehab exercises of the world, but if you're just pushing too hard for too long, uh, it, it's just, it, it's going to catch up with you, unfortunately. 
And just one on that, a lot of people try to jump in to super high training volumes just straight out the gate. And that's usually when you just run into all of these issues all at once because you haven't acclimatized basically to that level of volume or that level of intensity. So stepwise, slowly ramp it up, spend some time at a certain level, maybe drop down volume, recover a bit more, and then build it back up. Absolutely. So that then kind of brings us towards the sample training week where we can touch on a couple of different additional things that would be of use. So this is a training week. Uh, again, I'm saying average, but what in God's name is an average athlete? I, I don't know what that means, right? But we're looking at roughly someone that's training for an Olympic triathlon distance. Um, and this is what their week might look like. Okay, so let you get up in the morning on a Monday. You've got a swim session where you're doing a technique focus session um, for, let's say, one kilometer. Okay, so technique focus swim drills where you're focusing on the technical components of your swimming. You might be working on your stroke. You might be work, working on your, uh, your, your balance and fluidity in the water, your breathing and so on. Okay, so it's a technical session. It's not going to be very high fatigue. And you're going to follow that up then with a strength training session where you're doing full body strength for 30 to 45 minutes, okay? So you can see some of the logic there that's really helpful, which is I've got a technical session. I'm going to pair that with some strength with some strength on top of that rather than having super hard endurance session and then strength, okay? So that's some that's core principle to extract here. Then in the evening, easy run 30 to five, 45 minutes at a conversational pace, okay? So you can see we did a bit of easy running. We did a bit of relatively easy swimming. And we added strength training in on that day. Makes perfect sense. On the Tuesday, then what we've got are uh, is a, a bike session, a tempo ride with maybe some intervals. So this is going to be a session where you're pushing the pace a little bit more. Um, maybe on the hills, you're doing some intervals or you have minute one to three minute periods where you're pushing a bit faster, uh, pushing the pace beyond that lactate threshold, for example, pushing up into zone three to five. That's an example of how you would set up a session where you're working a bit more on um, higher paces. So it's not just endurance. You're also focusing on pushing the pace. Okay. And then what you're doing is you're pairing that with what we call brick sessions or brick workouts. This is a term used to describe when you take two or more of the uh, triathlon events and you pair them together. So you've done that bike session immediately when you come off the bike, short run 15 to 20 minutes. Okay. So it's, the goal here is that yes, you're working and you're running. But the primary thing we're trying to focus on is getting exposure to running in the fatigued state. So we've done our pushing the pace bike session. You're going to be fatigued. The legs are going to be heavy. Breathing is going to be heavy. Now you have to run. One of the most important things to start preparing you for a triathlon. Okay. And then in that evening, rest or active recovery. You know, you might get out for a walk. You do a little bit of stretching, a little bit of yoga, something along those lines to just, you know, loosen out if you want. Okay. Totally optional. Then on day three, Wednesday, okay, so we've done our, our brick session the day before. We're going to swim this morning, okay? We didn't do any swimming yesterday. We're swimming this morning. We're going to do some intervals for about a kilometer and a half, okay? So this might be, for example, um, you do uh, two, two, three laps um, of the pool, pushing the pace hard, rest for one to three minutes, go again, aim to accumulate a total of 1.5 kilometers there's many different ways you could set that up it's just an idea okay so that's going to be a relatively tough swim session we're leaving that on its own and then in the evening we'll come back and we'll do our running intervals so this is a session you do on the track or on the straight where you're doing your warm-up then you're going to do six to eight hundred meters let's say or even four to eight hundred meters 
uh, intervals at a challenging pace. So you're going to be working hard, pushing the pace there, light recovery drags between, you do that for between 40 to 60 minutes, okay? So you did swim intervals in the morning, run intervals in the evening. You can see again, there's a little bit of logic there. We did fatigue the swimming. We fatigue the aerobic system, but very different muscle groups and joints that are being loaded between those two sessions. So it's not going to have too much crossover. All right. Then we're moving to day four, Thursday. Okay. So we've got our morning bike session, a little bit longer here, 90 minutes. We're going to try to, to factor in some hills here um, just to get some exposure to that or maybe a more challenging route. This again comes back to planning out your triathlon. Is it on the flat? Is it in the hills? Really important to know this stuff. Evening, then we're coming back, lighter run easy run 30 to 45 minutes at a conversational pace logic there hard session in the morning the bike legs going to be heavy let's run easy in the evening okay day five friday morning we're doing a swim session this is an endurance focused swim we might go 1.8 two kilometers um where we're focused on continuous swimming now this isn't intervals this isn't technique focused this is about getting the time and getting the volume in working and building up that endurance okay we're going to be tired after that um, the body's going to be a bit tired. We did running and bike yesterday. In the evening, then we're coming back and doing our strength training. Okay. Then Saturday, these are, this is generally like for me, any endurance athlete, I put their longest sessions of the weekend. Okay. So morning and a Saturday, we're going to do our long bike two, two and a half hours, building endurance, steady pace is what we're working on. But then again, what we want is to get that exposure to running when we've cycled before. So we're going to do a brick workout transition to a moderate run after the cycling for 45 to 60 minutes. We'll rest that evening, rest up Saturday evening, have a nice meal, get ready for Sunday, okay? Sunday then is your long run day. Increasing distance gradually each week, but we start at about 60 to 90 minutes and we'll progress that up then over time. And then in the afternoon on a Sunday, again, relax, recuperate, maybe easy swim or leisurely bike ride, bit of stretching, something like that to recover. But really what we're doing is we're trying to recover after that long run. You're back in then on your Monday as we discussed. Okay. So that's a, that's a big training week. You know, most of those days you're doing something twice per day. Now, some of the time it's just 30 to 45 minutes, but it's still a lot of time. It's a big commitment. And I think that's, I think there's sometimes a tendency to try to make these big goals of running a marathon or doing a triathlon sound like it's kind of quite pedestrian. It's like, Oh, but how do we make this sustainable for people? This isn't supposed to be sustainable. These are these are aggressive goals that you're pursuing. So if, if someone comes to me and they say, I'm going to do a triathlon or I want to run a marathon and they say, I can only train three days per week and I'm, I'm never going to do any double sessions or anything. I'm kind of thinking, OK, like that's fine, but you're you're not going to do your best. You, you, you simply can't. And um, that's just the realities of pushing your body to these extremes. Yeah, I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So I'm um, look, that's that look that like that training week. Is it appropriate for you? I have no idea. <laughs> that's why we do coaching. Okay. Um, it's why we don't put out that much like generic, like do this plan because I, we just have no idea. You know, that's what coaching is for. It's supposed to be individualized. So on that note, I think we can wrap, we can wrap up there really. Um, if you do want more specific help with your training, like we do coach endurance athletes, um, I have quite a, a few people that are working towards half marathon, marathon, um, couple of, of triathlon now as well. So if you would like uh, assistance with that, um, do get in touch. The information is in the description box below. As we said in this episode, you know, we're not like the professional Ironman guys that are going to take you from, you know, top 10 to 
first place when you've been training for 10 years. That's just, it's not our area of specialty, but what we can definitely help you with is, you know, improving in those first few triathlons. If you, if you've listened to this podcast and you're thinking, God, I have none of that in order. I didn't know what they were saying. Then of course we can help you out with that. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you're interested information below, we put out so much other free information, guys. So if you are interested in learning more from us, you can subscribe to Triage newsletter, uh, link below. You can also uh, follow us on social media at Triage Method on all respective platforms, including YouTube, where we put out, again, free videos every single week. We have our nutrition course, which will be relaunching at the end of this year. And we will have some you know, special offers, uh, pre-release information, et cetera, for people who are on the waiting list. So if you subscribe below, uh, you can be on the waiting list for the nutrition certification. Even if you're not sure if it's for you, you're on the wait list. You get free stuff. We're not going to spam you. So just get involved. All right. Um, nothing else really from us. If you enjoy the podcast, let us know. Uh, we always appreciate that. If you have any ideas for, for things you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can let us know. Leave a rating and review. Share it. All that good stuff. Much appreciated. And thank you very much for listening. See you later, guys.